What's going on, people? I would like to welcome all of you to another Q11 edition of the Talk to Q Radio Show. My name is Quincy, and this is my show. And with the Q11s, what I like to do is interview people to expose my audience to new things. I talk to authors, entrepreneurs, entertainers, counselors, other podcasters, and sometimes just your everyday person who just has something to say about a particular topic. So it's an opportunity for you to get to know these people up and close and learn their story. What sparked the passion to choose a certain career or what inspired them to write that book? Or why is this person so opinionated about a particular topic? So just sit back and enjoy the show and please be encouraged to share. A lot of my guests, much like myself, kind of do their thing by word of mouth. So the more that you share, like or comment on a social media post, then the more you can help me grow the show. And it also gives more support to the people that I bring on the show who are looking to get their services, products, and talents out to the masses. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. My guest is an international recording star, renowned wisdom teacher, accomplished female shaman, and master of multicultural music. She's been called by many the world's most versatile singer. Known for her incredible voice and deep feminine wisdom, also known as the voice of Mother Earth, she's currently located in Bali. Please welcome Paraqua to Talk to Q. Hello, how yeah. are you doing? Very good. Thank Let me thank give you a little so round of applause here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> so, I'd like to start with the music first. How long mm-hmm. have you been singing and what inspired you? Okay, so um, I'm 53 and I started when I was 18 or 17, maybe 17, 18. So you can do the maths on that. <laughs> it's a long time. Um, what inspired me? Well, actually, you know, I come from a musical family. Now, normally that would make a musician's life easy, right? But for me, no. <laughs> my grandparents were musicians and my mother was, let's say, the daughter traumatized by being, uh, by having musical parents, you know, having to sleep in the back of cars every time they move from city to city for a concert, you know, always mm-hmm. people in the house making noise and music and not ever having really like an abundance of money. You know how musicians often can live from, from gig to gig, you know? And she said, I will never have that for my daughter. So <laughs> although I had this enormous passion when I was a child, it was very much suppressed. So I had two worlds. I lived in my grandparents' world in the holidays and I would sing like crazy. And then I would go home and my mother said, no music, you know, you're going to be a psychologist. And she really had me convinced by about their age when I was finishing school that I was applying for a psychology uh, position in university. But a very magical thing happened, which was not very magical at the time. But I failed my university entrance uh, exam by point one. Point one, not oh, one, wow. point one. <laughs> so clearly life had uh, another story for me. And I realized that I could either just settle for failing or I could say, I'm going to try again. So I tried again and I did my next year, like I took another year to go through that final year of school to get in for that psychology degree. But something happened in that year where I 
completely opened up because I completely left my mother's wing. She'd sent me um, to go and live on my own uh, in a rental situation, said, my love, I'm selling the house, you're on your own, you know. And, and once I came out from under her will, under her pressure, this singing uh, just woke up in me. And so the person that I actually moved in with, who I never met in my life when I, before when I moved in with her, said to me, wow, you have an amazing voice. And I said, oh, no, 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 you know. <laughs> I was just totally discrediting it. I was 17. She said, no, you've got to go and start training it. So I got my first uh, teacher, singing teacher, at the age of 17. And she said to me, my, my flatmate at the time, who's a very bright soul, she said to me, you know, Peru, if you could sing, who would you sing for and why? And you should write it down. On a piece of paper and so that's what I did I let my my mind just dream in a possibility that seemed totally unreal at that stage but I thought what if I could sing not just to entertain people but to actually help to heal them and how many people would it be millions of people and that that was really my anchor that piece of paper that day was my anchor for the rest of my life, really. And that has been the path that I've been on, although it's had many, many twists and turns because my next journey was that uh, I applied for a jazz degree, and which is almost impossible because I had no training for it. But again, the miracle of life gave me a position in conservatorium, the only woman taken that year, you know, and... Uh, I ended up going through the conservatorium uh, of of jazz in Australia, and um, and this definitely directed my musical mind a certain way. You know, I was in the jazz world, singing standards, etc. But by the time I was twenty three, I was totally in a state of I'm losing myself, I'm losing my way. And I, I think because of that original recognition that there's more to music than just entertaining people, at that point, I went through a major, major life change and uh, went through a very, very deep realization of um, how sound and vibrations vibrating through the entire planet as a consciousness, as a sensation, and as a living beingness that moves through all of life, and, and that this energy is deeply loving and profoundly feminine. And, uh, of course, we call her the Mother Earth, but it was a direct realization that she vibrates through everything, through all these different frequencies. And I, through this very dark time in my life, realized that I had no roots. I was just a city jazz singer who was losing herself to the world, you know, trying to be something. And when this happened for me, this realization, it was like my body, my soul rooted. And I found that direct connection to the purest, most powerful vibration which rises from our planet and gives life to it. And I said, wow, 
this is home, you know, and this is my body and there's so much love here. And we've forgotten this, you know, we've, we've become so disconnected from this mother source, from this mother planet, that we don't actually truly feel the deep caress of our feet on the grass or the caress of the water on our body or the feeling of life expanding our lungs and our belly, you know. And uh, I said to, to this consciousness that I start to feel rising through me when I was sitting on the earth on the side of a mountain by the ocean, if there's any way that I can sing for you and for humanity to wake up and restore this connection in our bodies, reroute ourselves, then please sing through me because I don't know how to do it myself. And jazz definitely wasn't the answer, you know, <laughs> for that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so not, not putting jazz down, jazz is cool, you know, but, um, and then a, a very magical thing happened in my life and a very difficult thing. And that was that a Native American medicine man came to Australia. He was touring in Australia and he recognized me when I came to him in a festival and uh, I went and sang with him the next day. And he said, I've been waiting for you. You know, you're, you are a singing woman that has a very important purpose on the planet. You know, I was 23, imagine, at the time. And uh, so at that point, at 23, my life turned upside down. I left my career in Australia. I went to America, went to the desert, New Mexico. And uh, I became his student. And um, actually became one of his one of his seven wives and my life just began again and all that I was got torn to pieces so that really I actually became myself again you know it took several years I would say to restore my innocence you know instead of being so ambitious and so masculine and things and out of this whole journey, I was together with him for 11 years, I, I birthed a whole different approach to the music and the voice started to open up in such a way that many people started to experience healings uh, from, from me singing for them in ceremonies. Eventually it came back from out of the desert and out of that sort of more shamanic world to, uh, to world touring and back on the, on the stage. Um, and uh, so where I am now I suppose is that I I spend a lot of time in Europe and in Eastern Europe and uh, I've merged this world where I sing and I bring very special practices to bring people into their body to open their heart uh, for women to open up their connection to their womb to their sexuality and uh, and open up the higher centers of, of the body, the pineal gland, and restore that connection to the soul. So in my concerts, it's a mix of both uh, special practices, meditation, and uh, a whole world of singing. And, um, you know, I could be working with 6,000 people doing this, 1,000 people. It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's incredible how in the 20 eight years of this journey uh, since that time or 26 years, whatever it is, 
how the consciousness has grown to be able to receive this original message that this earth is so loving and is totally here giving us everything we need. Okay. And Mother Earth has definitely been good to you. You, you have a very youthful appearance. And oh, so thank I, you. <laughs> but so what makes your singing style so unique? You, you mentioned the shaman who approached you. What makes your style so unique? Uh, I think um, I think because once once I rooted the voice in that direct connection to the earth, I took all the limits off the voice. So this idea of um, all of the theory of music, it was absorbed in me because I was trained in it. So I let go of all ideas about what is a musical scale, what is tuning, um, and opened up to a much more wholesome and perhaps even mystery, mysterious place. Or I think what, what really happened for me was when I realized that there was this incredible connection inside to this sense of inner cosmos, you know, and, and earth. So it's both, both inner cosmos and earth that a very interesting frequencies start to come. So eventually what happened for me was that I started to overtone sing, you know, harmonic singing. Have you heard of it? Yeah. I, I, I'm not very familiar with harmonic singing just from researching you and maybe from some of your YouTube right. videos, I may have heard the term right. before. Uh -huh. Okay, so ba basically what harmonic singing is, is that the voice has the capacity uh, to sing normally just one note, right, at a time, moving, moving notes. But when um, a certain realization happens, we can split the voice into two tones at the same time. And this is what happened for me. And then my voice started to spit three notes at the same time with undulating um, frequencies. And this is what opens up the mystery. This is uh, what tunes the body to start to heal. It is a very, very wholesome frequency. So there's that aspect of my music, which is very much about practice. And people can hear that kind of thing uh, on my online course, I have one very helpful online course that I developed in COVID. Um, and it's called From Stress and Anxiety to Inner Harmony. And it's a practice, and I'm singing in this particular way to bring the whole body and the auric field back into harmony. So the person goes, oh, comes back down into the body, says, oh, this is me, you know? So, um, that course is on my paraquire.com site. But then there's a whole nother aspect to my music, which is really a mix because I've studied in India, I've studied in uh, Middle Eastern singing, uh, chill out, soul, pop. So I've fused all these ingredients together. But what's unique about it is that uh, it's extremely feminine music because it has this rooted connection to the body so it makes people often get goosebumps or cry uh, it makes people want to dance especially women it makes them want to dance and open up and um, just really trust life so 
a lot of people experience a lot of sensations uh, when they're listening to the music. And it also helps to bring them very much into a state of harmony, which is very important in the world right now to be able to, you know, plug your headphones in. You could be in a crazy busy city, on a tram, on a train, on a bus, and be able to plug in and come into this very rooted and yet harmonious, uh, expansive state. That's what my music does for people. All right. You're not just known for your sound, but also the, the lyrics of your song. Uh, for example, yeah. I listened to one, um, I watched one of your videos on YouTube for the song Mighty Man. Mm. And my, Mighty Man appeared to be like a direct challenge to men who tend to focus on the love of superfi superficial things and things that have corrupted the world, so to speak. So I get, do you write your own lyrics, first of all? And how do you take, if so, how do you take things that you see going on in the world and transcribe it into a song that people can use to reflect upon themselves? Yeah, first of all, yes, I am the lyricist and I'm also the musical composer of all my music. Uh, so it's <laughs> straight from the source. Um, imagine I traveled the world a lot uh, in, you know, over the last 25 years, moving uh, through many, many different environments. And uh, so I see a lot and I see into festivals, I see into the workshop. I work a lot very directly in the workshop room, uh, particularly with women, used to be more with men, particularly with women. And so what I see is very, very direct. You know, it's not conceptual. I don't take a concept of what's going on in the world. But I see the suffering that's going on in the world. And, and it's particularly through women's bodies because women birth life. And, and I'm constantly in dialogue and in healing processes with women, how to heal this um, connection to her inner masculine, to her man in her life or wanting to be with a man in her life, you know. And... Um, there's this enormous pain in woman because she feels that she's not enough, right? Pregnancy, birth, uh, all these womanly qualities of chaos, her emotional nature, etc. She feels as if something's wrong with her. And why is that? Because the world has placed the material and money, etc. above uh the the womanly quality of being the life giver you know so a mother's kind of like oh she's just a mother you know rather than saying i am a mother you know and i take care of my children being proud of that it's kind of like as the world has become more focused on money 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 more 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 progress 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 take 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 then the value of the feminine has gone down. So it's actually not a direct attack on man himself, like because I have an absolute adoration and deep love of man, and I've been deeply loved by man. And it, that's also a great inspiration in my songs because I know the power that man carries to wake up a woman's body and to make her feel so loved and so okay inside but I also know the other side 
where he loses himself to this very addictive energy. And that's what we see the world manifesting as now is this, it's a re, uh, a replacement value system where originally it was on man being the caretaker of feminine energy of, you know, the land, uh, plants, gardening, children, life, etc. And I'm not saying technology is wrong, so don't get me, don't get me wrong there. But when it goes to the extreme of uh, the pursuit of powerful money for resource, this is where we see a total abuse of uh, this uh, extreme energy of masculine just unbalancing the world so it's not a direct attack on man but it's just what it is is just naming it that we at one point in time when the whole monetary system was integrated introduced a long time ago hundreds of years ago we replaced the value of the feminine and life with with progress more and particularly money being the god and so that's how that song mighty man was created it's it's really a documentation of what's happened on the planet okay okay i appreciate that a very powerful song so you've mentioned the courses that you offer as far as some of the people that you encounter who take your courses do you find that a lot of them may be skeptical or find it difficult to get in tune so to speak or do most people approach you with an open mind and they're just ready to learn? I think when most people who come to me, they come with an open mind and they're very ready to learn. Why? Normally because they have suffered enough <laughs> of not being in their body, being very mental, you know, and uh, constantly in uh, under the influence of a lot of pressure from the world. And uh, there's this feeling like, Normally, I think what it is that people will see me, and especially women, because I work more with women, especially women will see me and see something that is coming through me that they reflect off of, ah, that's me. And what it is, is feminine energy. And somehow my presence reminds both men and women of this deep-rooted connection to feminine energy, which is a very loving energy. And most people that come, they're like not experiencing a lot of love for their body or a lot of love in their life. And this is what we pursue, you know, as, as human beings. It's like this is what we're here for, to express and share and to create from, from love. So if we're not in our body or accepting the body and know how to deeply nourish the body, and I mean energetically through practices like meditation, deep breathing, uh, for women dance, you know, and uh, being able to release the emotional blockage in the body. If we don't have this, life, we suffer a lot more in life and life is a lot more superficial. So most people who come to me are saying, okay, I've played the game. You know, and now I want to know what is the doorway to really find my love, myself, and be myself here. All right. Now, one course that you offer 
that stuck out to me when I was perusing the website was the good girl syndrome. Mm. And it speaks on how some women restrict themselves and, and limit their capabilities because of this, this syndrome. Can you talk about that a bit and how it holds some women back? Absolutely. Yeah. The good girl syndrome is, I think it's something that I've worked with for many, many years now. And it's very sneaky syndrome. Why? Because you can't necessarily see it obviously because we've been so conditioned that to be nice, to be good, to be always kind is a good thing, right? But when it's rooted uh, in we behave that way because we're afraid that we won't get love, you know, and uh, that we won't be enough or that if we actually really ourselves, you know, our husband will leave us or people, other mothers will judge us, or, you know, our boss will think we're a problem employee or whatever. So we we carry this facade that we've got to be good and it's got to be nice. And uh, we dress a certain way, we behave a certain way every single day, and it's like a mask. And it also has physiolog physiological symptoms in a woman's body. So what are they? You feel this feeling like, like you're stuck in the throat, like you have a lump in the throat or there's a tight noose around your neck. Um, often I find that uh, the expression is not very, like often a good girl doesn't really express what she truly feels. She expresses what she thinks what other people want to hear from her. So she's always compromising what she really feels for the outer world to look a certain way. And the other thing it does is it very much <clears throat> shuts down her connection to her deeper sexuality, to this feeling of uh, totally opening up to her real womanly sexual and feminine energy, which is what men, you know, live for and thrive for. This, yes, this feminine loving energy, you know, it's a very powerful and it's wild and it's loving and it's exciting and it's unpredictable and deeply pleasurable you know so it, it's very much what why we come into in the beginning a relationship and when this energy is closed in a woman because she locks it down her throat's tight her sexuality is often traumatized then uh this uh, how to say, vitality and unpredictable nature of a woman gets very, very predictable and robotic, you know. And this is why often in a relationship this sexual fire or the, the fire of love gets very, very low in a relationship. So it's a very, very important thing because when we un when we clean her out, you know, and she's a voice also in her head saying, You're not good enough and you've got to be nice, you've got to be good at, you've got to be do everything right, you know, she's total perfectionist, this this good girl, you know. She's just stealing the moment all the time. Like she's stealing the possibility of what could be really amazing all the time because she's so tight, you know? So when a woman gets free of this, Wow, she becomes so much bigger, you know, than than a very tightly perfect uh, woman. And uh, we we even see, especially where I'm living right now, is in Russia. But we see uh, in the world 
women starting to try and even stylize themselves into what they think is the perfect image of the good girl. And that's a young woman with perky breasts, which means she's doing a lot of implanting in the body of the breast, of the face, uh, you know, Botox, uh, lip fillers, etc., because she wants to stay this young, good girl, you know, and uh, be desirable. But at the same time, she's just not herself. So a lot of this uh, sickness that's gotten into woman psychology starts to clean out when she says, this is me. And actually, I'm a fully grown woman. You know, and that's what she does. She starts to grow up because the good girl gets stuck back where she's like seven years old, 10 years old to be good for her parents. So she actually starts to grow up again and become really a woman, uh, a, big, a much bigger, more powerful and more loving woman who's just being herself, you know, that's, that's the healing of the, the good girl. That's amazing mm. how you broke that down. And I know you have a song um, called I'm Not a Good Girl. Yes, um, on YouTube. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'll be sure to include a link to it in the show notes for those who want to check it out. Uh, it talks about living an untamed life. And uh, I think the video I saw the lyrics were included as well. Yes. And so, all right. So I have just a couple more questions. We'll get ready to wrap things up. I know your goal is to free women from emotional trauma, self-doubt, and other things they, that may limit their potential. But can men benefit from your courses as well, or is it strictly geared towards women? Actually, no. Um, there are some courses that men can very much benefit. I mentioned one before, From Stress and Anxiety to Inner Harmony. Um, this is a great course because, one, it's a 15-minute practice, and we all need practices that turn out our uh, psyche around very quickly, you know, bring us into the body, take us out of that stress and anxiety and root us so that we feel like, ah, oh, you know, life is, life is good. So um, I have this particular uh, course that the, that the men could do. We're actually just about to uh, film another course on the Russian roulette of relationship that's coming very soon. And that helps uh, a man, will help a man to be able to see who lives inside of him and a woman who lives inside of her and why we come to war inside our souls and inside our relationship and how to find out how to balance uh, all of those um, different characters that live inside of us. That's coming soon. So the men will be able to join in on that one. Often what I find actually is when women do the courses with me, one of the fundamental practices that I work with is opening the heart. That is not a masculine or feminine practice. We all have a heart, right? And uh, so I often find that women will share, start to share this practice with, with the men. And um, that's very beautiful to see because I often find that one of the most powerful ways that healing happens for people who are in relationship is when the woman comes to her man and says, my love, look what I've learned. Look what I've, look what how, you know, all these things that are changing inside of me. And look at this practice, you know, I've experienced. And he starts to understand her more, what her challenges are, what she's been carrying secretly, secretly inside of herself. And this is very, very important because 
I find that um, there's often not a lot of understanding between men and women when it comes to this very deep inner world and the sexual world, etc. There's often a lot of secrets that keep them separate. So I, I feel that woman healing herself has an amazing potential to help her man to heal himself or heal or just uh, restore him, help him to find that really deep love inside of himself. When we have a loving woman and a loving man together, this is superpower. I mean, this is how my husband and I live. You know, we co-create everything. And uh, in the other, in the Russian world, for example, he's my translator on everything I do. Uh, when I'm in concert, those concerts are always for men and for women. So I do work with the men uh, with practice in concerts but i'm not in america yet but i think next year i will be all right well great well 23 years of actively facilitating women's workshops around the world women from from over 60 countries have participated 98 out of 100 women have reported having a personal breakthrough paraqua it's been truly a pleasure to meet you and i sincerely appreciate you taking the time to join this q11 episode of Talk to Q. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you online and the best way to reach you. Absolutely. So you can find me at paraquiet.com. That's my website. And inside the website is all my courses, uh, all my links to my YouTube clips. Of course, you can find me on YouTube. And uh, also you'll find me on Instagram. Paraquiet. Sounds great. And I will be sure to include those links in the show notes. Thank and you so much, Q. <laughs> again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we definitely hope that you can come to the States and maybe one day I can speak with you, um, speak with you once again. Yes, I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. Blessings to all your audience.